1: Good morning. It is July 17th, 2023. It is Monday. I am Tanya and this is the Witch Daily Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Which Way Magazine. So, let's get your day going with a little magic. Our quote of the day is life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage by Ennis Nin. So, we are drinking seance today. Seance is, I think, like the first tea I ever created. It is a decadent chocolate drink. It's actually named after the Umbrella Academy character, the seance. So the Aztecs believe that cocoa would bestow upon mortals wisdom. And with this in mind, seance is a chocolate lover's dream. Cocoa, black tea, and chicory is an indulgent and decadent drink. Not to like go too far off from our tea of the day, but I am actually creating like my own signature hot chocolate blend. Um, Anyone who's been listening to the podcast for a while knows hot chocolate is one of my favorite things in the whole world. And I've always wanted to create a decadent blend that is akin to like the really expensive chocolate shops in New York. So every holiday, like (laughs) I'm not supposed to be talking about this yet, but it's Bastille Day when I'm recording this and I can do whatever I want. So, um... Every Christmas, I treat myself and I order like some hot chocolate from one of my favorite chocolatiers from New York. It's like with shipping, it's probably like a good $30, but like it's a treat. It's once a year. It makes me happy. But I'm always like, I just want this hot chocolate without having to worry about Shipping because like it's kind of expensive shipping because they want it to get you next day. I don't know why. And it's just this whole thing. So my goal is to create something that's just as decadent and incredible as these chocolate shops that I spend way too much money on hot chocolate for but it's my own blend that I really love so I've been working on that and I'm so excited to share it with you right now I'm kind of contemplating a name so if you think you have a really fun witchy name for a hot chocolate uh, reach out and let me know I would absolutely love to uh, maybe get some feedback on that so that's not that's not what we're talking about today. But I, I, I just really wanted to talk about it. Uh, but seance, our chocolate tea has black tea, cacao nibs, chicory, dark chocolate chips and blue corn flour. So this is ideal, in my opinion, for the dark half of the year. But I heard on TikTok that it's Halloween already. So I think we're already there. Um, I'm going to be honest. I love the idea. I love the idea of just doing what you love, despite when you're supposed to, because the world is falling apart. So why not? Um, But I'm going to be honest. I like kind of the seasonal timestamp of traditions. For me, it just keeps things special. Uh, But if you are a uh, Halloween is now type of person, this is perfect for you. So we're gonna talk a little bit about black tea. So this comes to us from dermascope.com and it is the wonders of a black tea. So black tea is a very common tea that comes from the tea plants. The tea's oxidation level is what gives it its color and flavor. And during the process stage, it is fermented and oxidized. The compounds found in black tea are the flavonoids, and it is said that that is what kind of gives it its health benefits. Black tea has few calories and minimal proteins, carbohydrates, and sodium. Black tea helps with heart dysfunctions, as well as abnormal function of blood vessels, which leads to stroke, Uh, Drinking black tea has a positive effect on the digestive system of the body. It has great anti-inflammatory effects to help cure digestive disorders, and it also fights stomach cancer as well as uh, antibacterial. So yeah, black tea can help with stress relief because it lowers productions of the stress hormones and the amino acids found in this tea promote relaxation. So, yeah, if you love black tea, I think this one is for you. It's a really fun tea. It's chocolatey. It's black tea So, if you're like, Tanya, I hear you on the hot chocolate and I support you on that, but I am not at a point in my life <laughs> where I'm drinking hot chocolate in the morning with my breakfast. You know what? We're all different, you know? But if, if, if you still want the spirit of chocolate for breakfast without actually doing it. I really feel like seance is for you. And also, if you love the Umbrella Academy, you'll understand. And that's that's all. All right, which is moving into some headlines. This, hello. So this is editing Tanya. Um, I did wanna say that we actually had a headline here about a new movie coming out. But in light of the writers and actors strike, I am choosing to not share it. Uh, Basically, I'm from a working family (laughs) and I'm a creative. And for movie studio execs to say they believe uh, they would rather have their writers homeless than to pay them, um, obviously I cannot cross picket lines, and promote their movies actively and or passively. So, uh, sorry, headlines gone. Um, if it makes you feel any better, the movie seemed like it was going to suck anyways.
2: Hello to all of my astro friends. This is Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer coming at you with your daily moon mantra for Monday, July 17th. The new moon brings fresh light to the warm embrace of cancer. Here, the moon trines Neptune and opposes Pluto. The trine to Neptune creates a dreamy pall over the day, while the opposition Pluto keeps trying to jostle us awake. Pluto wants us to confront reality and deal with it in a visceral way, and Neptune wants us to escape into a fantasy and enjoy the beautiful illusions it puts in our path. We do need to make room for both. Try to make sure you take care of your responsibilities as they come up, but give yourself permission and time to drift away every now and again. If you don't, you may find yourself running from these responsibilities and not enjoying your daydreams. Your Daily Moon Mantra is, fantasy speaks both to who we are and who we might be. This has been your Daily Moon Mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, signing off and reminding you that you are in charge of your own destiny. The Magic of Trees is not just a book on tree magic.
1: It is about drawing on the strength of forests and tree energy to better connect with ourselves, other people, and the world around us. Each chapter reinforces meditations, spells, and rituals that will reconnect humanity with its roots at every stage of life. These practices take a hands-on approach to life and spiritual work. They lead to individual self-awareness and fulfillment through healthy natural practices. Plus, this text has the added benefit of fine-tuning spiritual tree connections, which never stop growing. Find the magic of trees wherever books are sold. All right, we are back. So we have a question from one of our listeners, April. April writes, I want to know more about familiars. I'm a vet tech and would love to know more. So, awesome. Let's talk about familiars. I think it would be really fun for us to do maybe a little familiars series closer to the end of the year, and we can talk more about, um, I would love to find a pet psychic to have on the show. We can maybe talk to a pet psychic, and we can talk about animal magic, and a dig more into the history of familiars, especially within um, kind of like the 1700s, 1800s, the familiar stuff is really interesting back then. So I would love for us to do that. But for now, let's just do like a really easy. Kind of overview of what a familiar is. So this is from Wikipedia, which when I was in high school, they said you can't use it because it's incorrect and like anyone can add to it. But um, I'm actually like my best friend is someone who like works with Wikipedia and like keeping, um, it accurate and all of that. So it's actually much more accurate today than maybe it was when it first came out, but, uh, familiars in European folklore or the medieval and early, uh, modern periods, familiars or familiar spirits just meant a close friend or companion and may be seen in, um, seen as the scientific name for dog. So, That I actually think is kind of where we got our wires crossed on familiars. So a lot of people today view familiars as animals who assist witches in their working. However, historically, that is just not what that meant, right? It actually originally meant a familiar spirit who served witches. So the idea was, is that let's say you had a coven mate who was a little older than you, and then she passes away, her spirit could come and help you do magic and work and kind of uh, help bring your magic to maybe the other side or lend their services in some way or another in the afterlife. However, because familiar in terms of like just regular language, that was non-magical, just meant like a companion, it actually can often be seen as the scientific name for dogs. So you kind of see how we somehow got from a familiar spirit is just a loved one who may be passed and who helps us magically and then scientific name for dog. And then now we kind of believe that only familiars are magical Animals, so we kind of see how that worked, right? So it is believed that familiars were supernatural entities or spiritual guardians that would protect and or assist witches and cunning folk in their magic. According to records of the time, those alleging to have had contact with familiar spirits reported that they could manifest as numerous forms. Sometimes as an animal, sometimes human, sometimes a humanoid figure, or some sort of other form, a color, a smoke, anything like that. So when they served witches, they were often thought to be malevolent. But when working for cunning folk, they were often considered benevolent. Although, of course, there's ambiguity there. So the former were often categorized as demons, while the latter were commonly thought to be as maybe like fairies. So since the 20th century, some magical practitioners, including uh, people who practice neo-pagan religions, specifically Wicca, will use the concept of familiars, due to their association with older forms of magic. And these contemporary practitioners use pets or wildlife to be some sort of version of a familiar aid. So black cats, let's say you're like, well, we know that in, um, the Salem trials and things like that, black cats were often associated as witches familiars. How did that happen? Well, easy, right? So familiars, as we said, were known as any companion spirit, and they could take on the form of an animal. Well, the first ever uh, group witch trial actually occurred in Orleans, France, and it was a group of clergy people. And that is actually where a lot of our beliefs about witches stem from the gross things, the not cool things, etc. But there just happened to have been a black cat around that area where these people were arrested and then later put on trial. So because of that, people associated this like black cats with Witch trial. So, this all stems from like the original witch hunts of Europe in I think the 1700s. And then the first kind of group arrest, which was in Orleans, France, which, fun fact, is where Joan of Arc's from. Fascinating. So, we have this idea like, oh, they can be smoke, it can be your aunt, it can be your pet, it can be this color over here, can be familiars. And then When there was all that hysteria going on about like witch hunts and they saw a black cat they were like well we know it can be an animal so bam there it is and then that became kind of the framework and the template for how to find a witch so then when salem happened which is our kind of more recent more touchable Uh, version of that, they were aware of that, right? Because of the hammer of the witches, these became the known ways to look for witches and find witches. Um, Especially in Salem, they really hammered down the idea that animals were witches. It was usually that they were the actual witch and less of a familiar spirit, but Salem's going to Salem. It was rough back then. So. There's a few different things that also kind of goes with familiars. Uh, It is in belief that a lot of witches actually had personal relationships with their familiars. So, using her studies into the role of witchcraft and magic in Britain during the early modern period as a starting point, historian Emma Wilby examined the relationship that familiar spirits allegedly had with witches and cunning folk in this period. So there were a few different ways people would meet their familiars um, in the british accounts from the early modern period at least there were about three main types of encounters that a familiar could have with the witch or cutting person the first would be that the spirit spontaneously appeared in front of the witch during their daily activities so for instance joan printance from essex gave an account that she was um, interrogated for witchcraft and when alone in her chamber, sitting upon a low stool preparing for bed, a familiar appeared to her. Um, According to Anne Jeffries in in 1645, she said she was knitting or in her garden when the spirit uh, um, showed themselves to her. The second manner is Meant to be like a pre-existing individual, like I said before, a family member, a coven member, someone we're already familiar with, they've passed, another spirit is coming to help us with magic. And then the third is sometimes believe that they're actually gifted a familiar spirit from somebody else, a family member, or someone of that nature. So... There's believed to be a few different types of familiar spirits. We've kind of already talked about this, but uh, there can be humans, humanoids, animals. uh, Some people believe that malevolent spirits were actually kind of disguising themselves as animals, but I think that only applies in like Greek lore. Now, there's many different ways people would work with their spirits. Uh, Very oftentimes, the magical practitioner would make an agreement or a pact with their familiar spirits. This length of time that the witch or cunning person worked with their spirit kind of varied between weeks or decades. And in most cases, the magical practitioner would conjure the familiar spirits when they needed their assistance. Although there are many different ways they that they did this. Uh, Joan, who we already talked about from Essex, said she would kneel down in a circle and pray to Satan to uh, conjure her spirit. And in some rare cases, there are accounts that familiars would just appear when they're unwanted. Uh, we have a record of that in 1646. And uh, we're also seeing familiars kind of popping up in the form of like nameable demons, which again, feels very churchy. Yeah, it's very fascinating, Um, but there's even stories of witches having romantic relationships with uh, spirits and familiar spirits. And that kind of goes, I think, exactly as you would imagine it to be. uh, But is actually not that rare I've heard of a few people who have claimed to have sexual relationships with ghosts. I want to say. Um, I'm going to Google it because I know a lot of celebrities. have talked about this. And I want to see if I can just pull up one real quick. Oh someone made a whole list. <laughs> so yeah, this one I knew Anna Nicole Smith uh, said that she had a a uh, sexual relationship with a spirit. Robin Roberts, who is a child pop star, turned R and B legend. Lucy Liu claims to have also have had a sexual relationship with ghosts. Uh, Coco from Coco and Ice Tea. And who else? And I think that is it. Oh, Kesha, apparently, also as well. So this is something you kind of hear about. And then we can get into the whole thing of, like, succubus and succubi. But I think that's for maybe another episode. (laughs) But anyways, familiars are a very interesting topic. Because you can dig into all kinds of things. History, witch hunts. Um, the christianization of these ideas so often we have to ask ourselves are we actually taking the original witch perspective of something or are we holding on to the christian lens of that thing and that's just a question that witches have to ask themselves freaking constantly Uh, we've talked before you know misinformation in the witch world runs rampant and you really have to just kind of always question, just like the real world, you know, you always have to kind of question the things you're told, maybe do a little research, look into it and see if these really popular things we've heard and learned over time are true, you know, and familiars is a wonderful way to dig into that because it's so rich and layered and there's so many instances and just what we've talked about today where you can kind of see some Christian influence, such as familiars who are named after known demons that makes you wonder, you know? Um, And then we also can uh, see their influence in terms of the witch hunts in the Orleans witch trial. I think of the 1700s, it could have been late 1600s. I don't remember off the top of my head, Uh, but you can see very many instances where there could have been Christian input. A hammer of the witches is where we get a lot of our witch stereotypes, which again, took them from these instances. And then, so very often we have to ask ourselves as witches, one, Are we actually practicing the original thing or the Christian fear thing? And then do we care? And that's just a question every witch has to ask themselves based off their own beliefs and ideas and comfort levels and all that jazz. So this was a wonderful topic. Um, I know I went a little off the goal of animal talk because familiars just, if we really get into the, the nuts and bolts of it, um, have not much to do with animals more than like literally any other aspect of witchcraft. However, I love the idea of animal magic, April. So I definitely want to do a series on that later this year. So we will do that and I promise I will fulfill this goal for you as a vet tech. Um, but for familiars, we had to do just a little history and a little analysis today. So, um, or questions, I think we raised questions is what we did. So I hope that was helpful. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, And yeah. All right. So we are wrapping up this episode of the Witch Daily Show. I want to give a shout out to listener Cassidy. Cassidy, you starry-eyed badass sun goddess. Oh my gosh. Starry-eyed sun goddess. I love it. Veronica, you scrumptious, thoughtful sunflower. Josephine you fancy wise vampire and Stephanie you esoteric glorious vampire slayer oh the vampire here has no luck Josephine you are outnumbered we have the sun a sunflower and a vampire slayer I just don't think you can you can get I don't think you can survive that I just don't All right, so we have a card pull before we leave today. Our card is the Three of Chalices from the Buffy Tarot. The friends who slay together stay together, and this is an opportunity to celebrate the people in your life. When you are influenced by the Three of Chalices, you might feel inspired to plan a slumber party, host the next coven meeting, or gather your crew at the bronze for some festive frolicking. Get with the fun having. All right. I agree. It's summer. We should all have a nice time instead of being hot and miserable. (laughs) Uh, But that's all I've got for you today. Don't forget any books, decks, headlines, sources, anything we reference can be found in the podcast episode description or witchpod.com. And we will talk again
0: tomorrow. Okay. Bye. Witches. We hope you have a wonderful day.